I'm Richard Verberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 252, for the week starting 24 February 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by techcentral.co.za. You can WhatsApp the show, the number to use, 71 On Talk Central this week, EOH, or should that be EOH? <laughs> Indeed. Also, <laughs> also on the show, Mobile World Congress kicks off uh, Samsung's Galaxy S10 series, reclusive billionaire Jonathan Baer to buy into Cell C, and Vumatel to roll out IP cameras across Johannesburg. Ooh, exciting. It's Sunday afternoon, it's roughly 1pm, and we are live streaming at live.techcentral.co.za. It's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I went, went down to a bit of an R&R at the coast uh, this week and um, ended up with spending far more time with my laptop than I would have liked. But the, oh, yeah. there was so much going on, um, starting with the story we broke on, on Monday about uh, EOH. And it just snowballed from there. Um, what a story. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you say? I mean, geez, has it been coming? Has it not been coming? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in a, in a bit of detail this week. Um, and, of course, Mobile World Congress is happening in, in – um, actually, I can't say when because it's one of our quiz questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is happening. Um, and all the keynotes traditionally happen – a lot of the keynotes happen on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. And um, I know that Nokia is, has a keynote this afternoon. I think Huawei has a keynote. Keynote, um, Sony, uh, all the all the big guys have keynotes. Samsung, of course, had their big uh, um, announcement a week ago, and we'll talk about that in the show as well this week. But um, before we get into all of that, let's do our quiz. Uh, the first question: The CEO of Celsi, Jose de Santos, will step down at the end of February, but will stay on to consult and advise the operator's chairman. Who is the chairman? And Mobile World Congress takes place this week. In which European city does it take place? The third question, Telcom's long-serving chairman is stepping down soon. Who is he? An Israeli spacecraft this week hitched a lift on a SpaceX rocket and is now on its way to the moon. What's the spacecraft <laughs> called? <laughs> I love that, just hitching a lift. <laughs> Last question, which JSC-listed company CEO this week said employees found to be involved in corruption will be dealt with and could even be imprisoned, uh, could be imprisoned the authorities? And uh, we'll get to the answers, of course, uh, to the quiz at the end of the show. Um, but let's let's start with uh, let's start with EOH because it was such a massive story. Um, I'm not going to rehash all of it. Uh, um, all this uh, must be about a dozen stories on Tech Central about this now. Um, <laughs> but let, let's just go through the timeline because it's a really interesting story. So last week, um, Monday or the Monday before last, rather. Uh, Tech Central broke a story that uh, Microsoft had terminated its agreements with the EOH subsidiary EOH Mtombo. There are two licenses that they um, they terminated on 30 days' notice. Uh, one was a volume licensing agreement, and the other one was a Microsoft Channel Partner agreement. Now, this is obviously from from first basis. This is uh, a problem because if Microsoft won't deal with you, and uh, as a large IT company. It sends a very wrong message to the market. Um, now, obviously, EOH can get access to Microsoft technologies through other channel partners, but it's not mm-hmm. ideal when you're a company the size of EOH and you've got Microsoft saying, what's going on here? The share price took quite a knock uh, following the publication of that story. Um, but there was a lot of speculation about, you know, what caused this? And we didn't really know. Then, uh, towards the end of last week and into the weekend, um, I got hold of an anonymous whistleblower's uh, a complaint that was written to the board of Microsoft Corporation in Seattle, Redmond, Washington, uh, in which they, he set out, or this whistleblower set out, um, a uh, some very serious allegations about um, alleged corruption involving a contract between EOH and EOH Mtombo and the South African Department of Defense. Allegations that um, the prices were massively inflated and suggestions that a senior official in the Department of Defense, now retired, whose name is known to Tech Central, but we've declined, decided not to publish his name because there's no smoking gun evidence pointing towards him, 
Um, but the allegations are there that he received kickbacks from EOH um, to secure this uh, this business and that the prices were massively inflated and that the Department of Defense should have worked directly with Microsoft to procure these software licenses, as the whistleblower suggested all other government departments do. So very serious stuff as well. And this whistleblower also lodged a, a um, filed a, uh, a complaint with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission under the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Um, I spoke to the SEC and they declined to comment, um, which um, doesn't doesn't really help us very much. But um, I suppose that if they do investigate, which I think they will do. Um, they'll comment more fully once they've um, had a look at the allegations and decided which course of action to take. But the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is a very, very serious piece of legislation. Um, it basically says, and I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here, but it basically says that uh, if you are um, a director or the CEO of an American-listed company, you can be held personally liable uh, for any corruption that you become aware of outside of the United States. So if, if you're a Microsoft, if you become aware of, of a corrupt practice, in your South African operation, for example, you are compelled to deal with it urgently and seriously. And if you don't, um, the consequences are very severe. Um, so what Microsoft did was upon re- receiving this letter of complaint from the anonymous whistleblower, uh, it appointed a company called Perkins Coy, which is a Seattle-based law firm, to investigate. Uh, this was done by the board of Microsoft, um, specifically the audit committee. Uh, Perkins Coy then uh, conducted an investigation, which I believe it concluded around mid mid January, roughly, um, and presented to the Microsoft board in Seattle. And following the the that um, in, that investigation and that subsequent report, which I haven't seen, um, Microsoft uh, in corporation instructed its Microsoft South African office to terminate its agreements with EOH Mtombo. So um, clearly, they found something that worried them. And they um, they ordered this uh, this instruction to e- uh, to EOH that this be terminated. Now I reported the story, um, the reasons, the whistleblower report, the um, potential investigation by this, the SEC under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act uh, last Monday, and EOH's share price, which had already fallen quite sharply on the back of the report the previous week, went into freefall. Um, so between uh, the report being published. The original report being published uh, the previous Monday um, and its worst point during the course of this past week, uh, EOH's share price lost about 60% of its value, uh, 60% of its value, um, sure. which was massive, um, massive destruction in shareholder value. Um, Stephen von Koller, who, a former MTN Group executive who took over as CEO of EOH in September last year, um, had a had a, really had a week from hell uh, trying to deal with these w- with all of this stuff. Um, I spent quite a bit of time on on the phone to him from the beach this week, um, and uh, I think he's handling it in the right way. Um, he's uh, he's uh, he's appointed PwC Price Coopers to um, to to look into all public sector contracts that um, EOH was engaged with or won over the last five years to look for any signs of impropriety. And according to him, they've already found a number of um, of, uh, of contracts which um, they flagged up for further investigation because they because they look suspicious. Um, not just the Microsoft one, but other uh, contracts won by EOH. He hasn't stated which contracts they are, um, but they are now going to be investigated in more detail by PwC. And he's um, quite, been quite uh, vociferous in stating that um, we are going to deal with them. I think it was his phrase he used in an interview at the AGM this week. I wasn't there, but um, Leslie Stones uh, um, kindly attended that for Tech Central and wrote up the story on that. Um, and he said, we're, we're going to nail them. Um, and uh, I saw he subsequently said in an interview with Bruce Whitfield on 702 um, that uh, if it comes to it, they will be prosecuted and they will be imprisoned. Uh, so tough talk, and um, he needs to see through on it because um, you know these allegations of, of corruption around EOH have been circling for many years, and he needs to be seen to be cleaning up the rot, dealing with the issues, uh, and, um, and and moving on because this is uh, you know the potential here is that if he doesn't deal with it, there's an there's a, there's a risk that um, there's contagion within EOH, and that the the business could could in, if the entire business itself could be uh, in jeopardy. Um, so I think he's dealing with it quite well. He needs to keep keep um, pressing hard, uncovering what's going on. Um, I, I think report back to shareholders, report back to the public about uh, PwC's investigations and what what's happening. Um, 
but so, so far I'm quite impressed with with uh, the way he's been handling it. Now there's been a big shakeup as well of the EOH board, um, probably the most uh, significant shakeup of its board in its history. Um, and I, th- I think overdue and, and welcome as well. Um, the founder of the group, Asher Bobot, who was serving as chairman, will step down um, and leave the group's employment. Um, he's still a significant shareholder. He owns 7 million shares in EOH. Uh, they're not worth as much as they used to be, but uh, he owns a significant <laughs> chunk of EOH. Um, uh, I don't know if you've met Asher Bobot, uh, Rahat. He's, um, no. he's, um, he's, he's quite a character. He's, uh, he's very... Um, the word I used, I think, in my article was forceful. He's um, he's very passionate about the business, um, and I suppose you would be. This is the baby you built from scratch yeah. twenty years ago and built it into uh, one of, if not the biggest IT services company in the country. Um, so he's out, and Rob Sporin, who I think co-founded uh, EOH with him, is also off the board, um, and they've made a number of other board changes uh, to comply with King Four uh, corporate governance uh, guidelines. Uh, so a big shake up there, and I think the exit of Bobot is a good thing because it, um, you know, you've got the founder there serving as chairman while you're the CEO, Stephen Van Collar. You're going to have the chairman potentially second guessing you all the time. I'm sure he knows a lot about the business and can probably assist Van Collar in in a lot of what he needs to do. But at the same time, you don't really want someone who's really passionate and a forceful character. Um, as chairman and, and possibly second guessing what you're doing all the time, I think this will free Van Collar to. Uh, to fix a lot of the, the problems at EOH. And a lot of these problems occurred um, on uh, on the watch of, of, of Asher Bobot when, when he was still CEO. So I think it's a good thing. It's a, it's a bit of a spring cleaning. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Asher Bobot feels quite emotional about stepping down after all this time. Um, but there you have it. I think they're making the right moves and they need to make these moves because uh, if they don't, um, you know, there's a very real risk to, as he's pointed out on a number of occasions, to the jobs of 11,500 people who work for the group. This is not a small company. Um, and, and, and clearly they've, they've, got, they've got caught up in, um, in a lot of the state capture stuff that's going on. Um, and, uh, uh, you, know, they, you know, maybe it's easy to criticize them what was going on in government at the time, but um, I, uh, as, a, as an external party, I kind of say, well, you know, you guys got got yourselves in this mess. It's your fault. Get yourselves out of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. As you said in the intro, uh, Rechot, um, uh, a good a good term to to describe EOH is certainly <laughs> EOH. Met Aish, met Aish. Yeah, with lots of Aish. I mean, it's just crazy how deep the stuff is going, has gone. I mean, how deep is it still going to go? And, this, mm. and, and I'm not just talking about this company specifically. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Yeah, it's, if, if I was involved with any of this stuff, I would be shaking my boots right now because it seems like it's the it's being unraveled now. Yes. As, as soon as one thing, you know, as one person cracks or gives in and turn, turns kind of mm. a whistleblower or something, you know, it's... Yeah crumbles quickly so yeah i just want us to get on with things though, to be honest you know we're wasting a lot of time on corruption yeah, we, I think we need to get this out of the way but imagine how much we can grow as a country within these things it services getting these companies mm. going yeah the anyway. zuma years so the zuma years i think <laughs> ramaposa described them as nine wasted years uh, which zuma oh. then uh, uh criticized him for but um you know, nine wasted years. I'd, I'd go f- further than that and say the Zuma years were nine disastrous years for this country. Um, and I still look forward to him one day uh, being in orange overalls um, because he should be. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is longer than nine years. I mean, how long has he he's, – he's been plotting and planning for, yeah. you know, since, since he probably had the first uh, – uh, inclination of power, I guess. Inclining of power. Yeah, the the corruption didn't start under Zuma. It started well before then. But um, I, I think he he honed it and and you know perfected the art of it. I mean, mm. his his administration. Um, well, he had a plan. He had a plan early on. Yeah. Um, he knew what he was going for. Mm. That's for sure. And we 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 knew what was coming. I mean, we knew who Zuma was. Um, the Sheikh stuff was prior to his presidency. Uh, we, we knew he had a problem with money. We knew he um, he uh, associated himself with shady characters. And yet the ANC still elected him as a president of the party and then of the country. So um, <sighs> collective blame uh, must be taken. But uh, mm. we, so we're still living in dangerous times. I mean, Ramaphosa's position is not all that secure. Um, the, Zuma, the Zuma faction of the ANC, if I can call it that, is still 
very much there and uh, working the damnedest to undermine Ramaphosa and get rid of him. Mm. Um, we, we're certainly not out of the clear, in the clear as a country. Right, on that very, very depressing note, let's talk about something entirely more fun. Uh, <laughs> Mobile, <laughs> Mobile World <laughs> Congress is kicking off in Barcelona this week, and um, it's uh, the biggest uh, mobile telecommunications trade event in the world. Over 100,000 people attend. Um, I haven't been for a few years. Um, mm. um, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not going this year because it would have just been too crazy with everything else that's going on. Um, oh, at sure. home, but um, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're looking forward to the usual announcements: new smartphones, new five G technology, iPhone, foldable it, phones, foldable, foldable phones. phones. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to be foldable, probably yeah. for sure. Huawei is rumored, I think, to be announcing one this afternoon: a five G foldable phone. Um, not going to be cheap. Samsung's one, as we saw, was very expensive, two thousand um, oh. dollars. That's going to be work out to the upper thirty thousands for a phone, possibly forty thousand rand. Um, not cheap, um, but yeah, folded, the era of foldable phones appears to be upon us. I'm still not sure I'm excited about this, though. I'm wait, I'm wait, I'm more excited about the pull-out phone. I mean, remember, I can't remember which sci-fi movie it was, when you have this little pen-like thing, you just pull out this long screen. <laughs> I think that's where it's at. Yeah. But like I've said before, I've, I've, I see a lot of use for it, but it's still early days. What we're seeing now shouldn't be considered the, the pinnacle of the technology by any means. Mm. We're going to be seeing three or four iterations before I think it's going to be where I personally would want it, where it's something I can put in my pocket, go cycling with, mm. put it out when I need a bigger screen for something. Uh, you know, kind of that best of both worlds scenario. Although yeah. I think we, we're going we're gonna to start seeing interesting uses for it, perhaps. Um, more mm. people can just hate it and it'll be a failed technology, like yeah. the Zune was. <laughs> <laughs> the Zune. Um so, yeah, there's going to be a number of keynotes this afternoon. Uh, I'm particularly looking forward to the one from HMD Global. Uh, they're rumored to be announcing the new Nokia 9 this afternoon. It'll be their highest-end mm-hmm. flagship to date. Apparently, it's going to have five rear cameras. Oh, my word. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the new status differentiator for these handsets? Yes. Bigger, better cameras. Yes. Um, Five cameras. I'm, I'm not. I, I suspect that might be overkill. But I, I, I look forward to seeing what the phone looks like. Uh, um, yeah. I, 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 Nokia hasn't really done, or HMD hasn't really done a, a phone that that takes on the very high end. The you know the Galaxy S, the um, Mate yeah. 20 Pro, the um, that really premium end of the market. The closest they got was the Nokia 8 Sirocco. Uh. Um, but that, even that was a kind of a, a mid mid high range, mid to high phone, not a top end yeah. phone. So maybe the Nokia 9 is going to be that. Um, well, guess, guess we'll find out this afternoon. Yeah, look, it's going to be high time that they do introduce something like that. Like you said, you know, they haven't really had something that competes. And let's be honest, that's really where the top smartphone manufacturers compete. You have to have that show-off phone mm. and, uh, you know, the, the, the top end and the be-all, and it filters down to the desirability of the brand be, be below that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have I would have loved to have that option to upgrade to. But, um, yeah, I hope it's not better than the Mate 20, to be honest. <laughs> I don't want to have phone envy. <laughs> yeah, it's inevitable. The year after, you will, um, you'll see a new phone you want. And yeah, uh, yeah. The, the next year, given these upgrade cycles, um, you know, you're going to you are going to get phone envy. But I must be honest, though, this Mate 20 is as is impressing me day by day. I mean, that I camera, love mine. I love mine. Yeah, look, I'm, it's 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 an upgrade, well spent, um, and enough. And I do make some money off the photography, off the camera, so I use it in my in a lot of the daily stuff that I do. And the the, the quality is uh, good enough to print, and good enough for for any of the digital work I need. Mm. Um, it saves me lugging out my big camera. Absolutely. So I would I would be interested to see what the five cameras can do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure what they're all going to do, but uh, fan- fantastic stuff. We'll we'll watch that. I think it's around four this afternoon. I'll uh, check out the live stream and no doubt have a, a piece on it up on Tech Central later today or tomorrow morning. Um, but uh, yeah, Mobile World Congress. I think it's going to be wall to wall 5G this year. Um, 5G networks are launching commercially this year, later this year. Um, I don't know if it's happening in South Africa, but certainly um, we're going to be seeing 5G rollouts in Europe and, and North America and parts of Asia. Um, but Trump, th- Trump said he wants, sorry, Trump said he wants uh, 6G now. Huh? Did you hear that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think 6G is at least a decade away, right? <laughs> oh, my word. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think we'll, we'll see if we have not already seen limited trials or, or closed trials in South Africa. We have, yeah. 
We have no commercial networks launched yet. Um, the only commercial network that's been launched in Southern Africa, I think, is the one that Vodacom launched in Lesotho. Um, but that's not really a network. I think it's like one or two, mm. one or two base stations serving one customer, one business but customer. We're not really looking forward to this tech, though, are we? I mean, it's, yes, we are in a, in a sense that it's going to improve long-term stuff. But for now, it's not really practical because you need to have so many of these base stations around. Yeah. Um, it might be beneficial in locations like, let's say, shopping malls or places where people gather so you can have more people on the network with mm. better bandwidth. Um, I think it's the long-term applications of 5G that are the most exciting rather than the immediate deployment. Sure. So networks of autonomous cars, for example, being controlled by a 5G network, um, mm. uh, automation, um, all that sort of thing, the low-latency applications. I think the applications yeah. are really going to be felt first in business rather than by consumers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and in terms of the cars, I mean, we, yeah, it's a long way off for us still yeah. um, to have that kind of infrastructure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, for, for everything we need as consumers, what we have now is pretty fine, pretty fine technology. Mm. Yeah, I'm in no rush. And I, I, Apple's rumored only to be announcing a 5G phone uh, in September 2020. Um, it's rumored they won't do one this year. And I think that's the right approach, actually. Um, why, why launch a 5G phone that's just going to drain the battery and it's going to have a, um, a very high price tag uh, just to say you've got one? Um, you know, Samsung's announced one now, but um, it's going to be very expensive, no doubt. It's only coming out later. Um, of course, the companies are all going to announce them, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be huge consumer demand for 5G handsets much before next year. Yeah. And again, in South Africa, we're seeing a, a, a bigger proliferation in the Wi-Fi stuff, you know, fiber, fiber to almost all the locations. And now we have good Wi-Fi hotspots in most places you go to. So yeah. again, there's no, no massive rush for us. Yeah, exactly. So Samsung's Galaxy S10, let's talk a bit about this because they announced this just last week. Uh, um, you've had a look at it, Rechat. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a very nice, uh, very nice device. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, obviously, it's, it's kind of that next level of the best phone that Samsung has produced. Mm. I've never really been a fan of Samsung devices, to be honest with you. I don't know what it is. Nothing personal against them. I just never loved using their devices. Maybe it's always felt a bit slippery in the hand. But this one this one looks and feels great. I mean, that little pinhole camera at the uh, top right-hand corner on the screen, um, it looks nice. It looks interesting. But you know, I still don't see the f- what the fuss was with the notch, to be honest with you. So for me, it's just a different look. You know, mm. It's not really... Um, I must be honest, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the, the, the camera array at the back, that kind of long strip. Yeah. Um, again, it's, there's nothing wrong with it technically. Um, it just doesn't look as neat as, uh, for example, the Mate 20 Pro's four camera cluster, which kind of sits in the middle. Yeah. Or oh, three uh, camera, three sense. camera cluster. Sorry, three camera, yeah. but there's four little holes. It looks like a four. The fourth yeah. is an LED. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, look, I'm sure this phone is going to do fantastically well and, um, look, it's beautiful, and I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about it. Mm. Um, they're going to love using it. That screen is absolutely beautiful. Um, camera, I guess camera is debatable. I'm, I'm going to do a camera shoot-off with a friend who's got one, because uh, he keeps bragging to me that he's got, his camera is better than mine, so we're going to put that to the test. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I think they look nice. It'll, they look nice. Yeah, they look nice, especially the Plus, the big one, you know, the Plus. I definitely I get the big one. That's going to be the one mm, to go for. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not cheap. The one terabyte version. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely not cheap, though. Um, they're not quite as insane as Apple uh, iPhone prices, but they are very expensive phones. Mm. Um, I think the S10 Plus starts at 21,000, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, it goes up to 35 odd. Wow. Yeah, not, ex- not cheap. Not cheap. But you don't need the one terabyte. I mean, the base no. 128 is perfect, and, and you've got normal SD, unlike the Huawei's non standard format memory card in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, no doubt they'll sell like hotcakes. Um, oh, definitely. Uh, contracts, co- <laughs> operators rejoice. Their contracts are going to be selling. <laughs> well, not much else to say about it, except they've also announced a Samsung device called the Samsung Galaxy Fold, which is their first commercial foldable phone. Um, the pictures look interesting. Um, I, oh. I just wonder, with wear and tear over time, whether it's going to break. Yeah, look, I mean, um, I didn't see this one in the flesh myself, but f- the feedback that I've seen from people that have seen it and from some online reviewers, 
the, the, also that there is a visible crease so that you, you can definitely see it's not a smooth screen when you unfold it. So you're not, for those people that it bothers, it's, it's going to look horrible, I think. Mm. But, but again, you know, somebody, some, something obviously triggered this whole idea of foldable phones and now everybody's just doing it and, and kind of seeing it goes. I do see merit in it if the technology matures. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be buying it right now. I guess in a in a year or two we'll know, we'll know whether the market demand is there. Um, mm. and they're so expensive as well. I mean, two thousand dollars that's that's too expensive. It's, this is not too a mass expensive. market device. You'll find a few early adopters buying it, but it's it's mm. not going to sell like hotcakes at that sort of price. Look at also, I mean, the, the the kind of the other benefit that I see with these defoldable devices is they become more durable, right? So if you have a ten inch tablet or twelve inch tablet that's flat, that thing is. Relatively fragile, I guess. If you if you carry it around, put it in the camera backpack and stuff. If you fold the screen, it's firstly more portable. But if it knocks and drops, you not you don't have this big screen that's going to shatter. I mean, I guess there's drawbacks and and upsides to both of it, both Mm. arguments. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back just after this to chat about Celsi and Vumatel. Let me level with you. Everyone's got flippin' fast fiber. That's how it should be. You need to live beyond speed to hack your life, to take your life to the next level. Everything's smart. Everything's instant. Forget TV subscriptions. Educate yourself. Start your own business. Do more. Be more. Okay, Dad. So, can I get Fortnite? With connectivity, voice, IoT, business solutions, and so much more. Get smart. Think smart. Level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za and level up today. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehat? How's it, Duncan? So interesting stuff uh, amidst all the other South African tech news going on this week over at Cell C. Um, Blue Label on Friday announcing that um, that uh, uh, Jose Dos Santos, who's been CEO of Cell C for many years, uh, is stepping down at the end of this month and uh, will be uh, – they haven't announced an interim CEO yet, um, and uh, they will be doing so soon and then um, down the line announcing a permanent CEO. But it did seem a bit sudden, his departure, um, uh, you know, especially since there's no one lined up to take over from him. Um, and at the same time, Blue Label announced that um, a company or a consortium called what was it called? I've forgotten. I don't have it in front of me here. Um, the Berg, the John. Uh, the Berg, was it the Berg? Just closed the page. <laughs> um, <laughs> John Bear Consortium. John Jonathan Bear. Bear. Uh, yeah, but the consortium had a name. I think it was uh, Berkshire Consortium or something like that. Buffet Consortium. The Buffet Consortium. Buffett. Uh, buffet. Buffett, sorry. Could Buffett, be buffet. buffet. Could be Buffet. I'm not sure. Um, that's why I was thinking Berkshire because of uh, Buffett, Warren Buffett. Oh, Buffett. Uh, uh, that is definitely Buffett. So I, I don't know if it's the Buffett Consortium or it's the Buffet Consortium, but um, <laughs> Jonathan Bear, I had to Google this guy because I didn't know who he was. I'd heard the name, but I really didn't know who he was. So it turns out he's a, a reclusive property billionaire. Um, uh, apparently he lives in Amsterdam. Uh, South African, um, and I think he comes from the family that launched. I could be wrong here, but I think he comes from the family that owned or owns the Bears Furniture Retail Stores. Um, I haven't seen one of those around in a while, actually. Sure, yeah. Um, but I, I think he, I think he comes from that same family, if I'm not mistaken. Now he's a he's a very wealthy uh, billionaire and investor. He did not invest not only in the property industry, but. Uh, so uh, Blue Label announcing that they've signed a term, what's term, called a term sheet with uh, the um, the buffet or the buffet Buffett consortium <laughs> to um, to uh, invest into Celsius as a minority shareholder. So clearly, uh, Mr. Bear sees um, sees value there, um, and uh, uh, Blue Label saying that this investment is going to help further reduce. Um, Celsius debt and improve its balance sheet, uh, which has obviously been a huge issue for Celsius for many years now. Uh, they have really massively reduced the um, interest-bearing debt on Celsius ba- balance sheet, but it remains remained very high at around six or seven billion rand. Um, this is a business that obviously requires a huge amount of investment annually in network infrastructure. 
Um, so, but here, Bear obviously sees uh, sees opportunity here. Um, the uh, Blue Label Telecom share price rose quite sharply uh, on the back of it. Um, but uh, Blue Label is going to be publishing its um, interim results next week. I think it's on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, where no doubt we're going to hear more details about why Jose Dos Santos is leaving Cell C and why Jonathan Bear, through his consortium, is investing into the company and what all of this means. So it's going to be a fascinating results presentation next week. So look out for all of the details of that on Tech Central. Um, I think it's important that Cell C succeeds. Um, you know, I think they came very close to going to the wall at one point. Um, and uh, I think it's good for competition that they're in the market. Mm. Um, oh, definitely. The question this raises, though, is whether Telcom is still potentially um, in the, waiting in the wings to invest into Celsi. You know, there was some renewed talk in recent months that uh, that Telcom is interested in buying into Celsi. Um, uh, we don't know who else is involved in this consortium, this buffet or buff, Buffett consortium, um, and potentially Telcom is going to look to buy into that as well. I'm I'm, I'm really not sure, but. Um, I hear that uh, they haven't. Telcom hasn't gone away yet, uh, and that they may still participate in some sort of transaction uh, with other investors, possibly. Um, but who knows? Um, hopefully, we'll have more detail this coming week. Interesting times. So, Vumatel and their subsidiary Vumacam. Now, this is a very exciting story. Uh, they yeah. are rolling out. They're basically going to blanket the whole of Johannesburg in IPTV cameras, um, 4K UHD uh, IPTV cameras. Mm. Um, and uh, if you live in Johannesburg, you've no doubt seen these poles around town. Uh, I'm sure you've seen them as well, Richard. Oh, yeah. There's a plenty around. Little mm. mushroom poles. Yes. Mushroom poles looking things. That's a good yeah. description, yeah. Uh, and then they mount cameras below them. Um, and... Uh, uh, and they then provide what they plan to do is provide um, high definition feeds to security companies that partner with Vumacam. Um, they're going to vet those companies first, they say, um, and that will allow the security companies to um, to um, to monitor what's going on in various neighbourhoods. Uh, they say they're going to potentially be working with the police as well and, and other law enforcement agencies um, in rolling this out. But what I found really exciting about this. Um, uh, is the actual the artificial intelligence and the very clever software they're using in the background uh, to analyze what's being fed into these cameras. Uh, so, for example, if they want to quickly find um, a suspicious vehicle, um, they can just type in, we're looking for a red car that was going this way up the street um, at this particular time. And um, I'm not doing it justice because they can actually get down to a much more granular level than that. Mm. And they can quickly find a piece of footage um, instead of s- sitting there watching through video for hours and then trying to find out where, where, find out where an incident occurred. Um, they can very quickly um, check, check, find, find a piece of footage. The software can also alert them automatically to um, potentially suspicious activity so that mm. um, someone... C- can get an alert in the security center, for example, um, and then an, uh, someone watching the screen can quickly go to that camera and, and have a look at what's going on because the software has alerted the security company to um, to to what it believes could be um, suspicious behavior, which I think is very yeah. interesting. Now, this, of course, raises all sorts of questions. Do we really want a private company rolling out uh, surveillance cameras all over our city? <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, it does seem to happen quite quickly. Like, oh, yeah. It does raise some some privacy concerns. Uh, they say they are fully compliant with the um, with the Poppy Act, the promotion of what is it? Promotion of I forget privacy what, information, personal information act. I personal what it's information, it's, sorry, yeah. protection of personal information act. Uh, and um, so they say they're complying with that. Um, but um, you know, I trust the Vumatel guys. I think they, I think they're an upstanding company. But um, but there are obviously going to be concerns around that, and um, there certainly have been a lot of people expressing concern about it already. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a trade-off. Once again, do you want this additional level of security in your city? Um, are you prepared to, um, to, to to trade that off with the fact that you are probably going to be on a camera if you're walking down the street? Um, certainly cities around the world, London, New York, many of the major cities around the world also have wall-to-wall um, Surveillance cameras, um, and yeah. and quite frankly, I'm I'm actually a little more positive about a private company doing this than the government doing it. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, that was one of the things I was going to say as well. It's, I would much rather have them do it than somebody that doesn't have a very good track record. And mm. I think we can, it's 1-0 for Vumital in that um, yeah. arena. Yeah. But also, let's keep in mind, most places you go to already these days have lots of cameras. Shopping malls, you know, if you go in and out of any place, major uh, uh, kind of residential estates, all of these are already, there's already cameras everywhere. Yes. This this is actually actual cameras for a purpose, and and after I'm very excited about this because we often on our and I'm sure a lot of suburbs have uh, groups where they're on WhatsApp and they send information through to everybody. Please yeah. be on the lookout for this suspicious vehicle. Now all of a sudden, it's 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 putting another layer on this, and those cars can be found and tracked where they are. I mean, because mm. that's the problem. There's only two sector patrol vehicles in most of these areas. Yes, or it's one. They can't be everywhere and it's difficult to chase if there's if the guys zigzag and you know and they go different places especially in the kind of uh, the parks area where i am where they're rolling out now um because there's so many outs to a specific um road or, or, yes. or a suburb so i think it's going to be fantastic i see i see in green side that one of the poles have already been um branded with tracker one of the I main intersections there yeah so mm. they obviously see the value in and, and understandably so, because that's a lot of cars travel through there to either go to Joburg or, or away mm. from Joburg. Yeah. Um, I would just love to see the numbers, um, to see the numbers and the success rate of this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the question is, what, does it um, does it just chase crime to areas that don't have the cameras? Uh, <laughs> uh, mm. What's the impact of this? What's interesting is you mentioned about the multiple, uh, um, this being um, so widespread. Um, CCTV efforts so far have been limited, to, typically limited to uh, at most one suburb. Um, with this system, which is going to be deployed across the city, now the software behind it, uh, if a car gets stolen, for example, they're going to be able to track that as it moves right across the city. Um, obviously, they won't be able to track it once it moves outside the city where they don't have uh, their infrastructure deployed, but um, you're going to be able to automatically um, track a vehicle to see where it goes um, mm. if it's been stolen, for example. My big concern really is don't the criminals just remove the number plates and then drive freely? Yeah, probably. I guess uh, they the could software probably, probably, probably still be intelligent it. enough to pick it up. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. there's no number plate, this is suspicious, flag it, it's the same yeah. car, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, perhaps. Yeah, um, probably. I, I, I think it's, for me, it's a pretty simple argument. We have a massive crime issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the police cannot cope. Yeah. Uh, the security companies are barely coping in the areas where it's properly set up and, and, and kind of the guys are, are really working with the neighborhood communities or the communities in the neighborhoods. Yes. Um, we do unfortunately need this. Yeah. Um, but you okay. make a very good point. If it does push out the crime into other areas, you know, then we need to push resources into those areas. Mm. Um, the flip side of the coin, obviously, crime that needs to, you know, process and those things need to be followed through successfully. Otherwise, we're just going to have a repeat yeah you know rinse and repeat of the same stuff happening and just catching them more efficiently yeah i've got no doubt that um that uh, we're going to be seeing vumacam um video evidence entered into criminal proceedings in Mm. courts on a vast scale in the future oh yes oh yes (laughs) and look i i just want to put it out there once they open this up uh, for like public viewing i would subscribe to that service because they're not going to do that (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 I'm being, okay. I'm being, I'm, I'm making a joke here. Because I'd love to see it as well. Interesting footage, mm. yeah, just yeah. to see what's happening around. I'd love to see it, but yeah, they won't do that, unfortunately. Because that, that, I'm sure that would violate Poppy. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, no, no. Look, there would be. It's not like somebody can log in and, uh, yeah, I'm sure just control cameras and view around, just easy like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course. Yeah, interesting story, um, and um, we'll keep an eye on it. And that's our news this week. Um, let's move on to our regular features. Um, let's start with our winner and loser of the week. Our loser is EOH, uh, for all the reasons we set out earlier, uh, mainly its plummeting share price on the back of the uh, corruption allegations that emerged against it this week. Um, there was no other candidate that um, raised its hand as high to be picked as the loser of the week this week as EOH. <laughs> and our uh, winner this week is Jabu Mabuza, the outgoing chairman of Telcom, who's really done a fantastic job chairing the board of Telcom in the last, I think it's been seven years or eight years or so. 
um, he really um, inherited a, a dysfunctional board, uh, a very troubled company, um, and I think he's uh, led it with a plume. And uh, the board of Telcom today is a very strong board, um, and I think that's a lot of that is to do with um, Jabba Mabuza and the way he's led it. Um, he is. Uh, He's very stretched. He's also the chairman of Tel of ESCOM, uh, which I think is keeping him very busy. Um, and he's involved in various other efforts. I think he's involved in business leadership South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, he has um, he's done a very good job at Telcom, and I think it's a big loss to uh, to Telcom. But um, uh, he's our winner this week um, for uh, sticking it out and doing a very good job of uh, chairing that board. So, what's your pick this week, Rahad? So Duncan, I've got I've got something that you might be interested in. Um, it's a PC gaming chair setup that is something directly out of a science fiction movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the the Acer Thronos, and I had a look at this uh, on Friday, and I'm picking it because it's just one. Of, it's it's without a doubt the most impressive gaming machine I've ever seen in my life. Is it a machine or a chair? It's well, it's both. well, it's everything in one. I mean. So let, let me start with the price first, and it'll probably put it into a bit more perspective. You buy this entire kit with a PC, three screens, a chair that can rotate, and, I mean, the screen, screen um, the, the, it, you, it closes down on a cage, like, around you. You know, the keyboard slides in. <laughs> but you can, get, you can get one of these for about 250,000 rand. <laughs> um, not installed, by the way, that should be noted. Oh, my um, word. That's a separate process. <laughs> it does come with a high-end uh, Acer Predator Orion 9000 gaming PC, which has two 1080 graphics cards. But, um, yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, a showpiece in a man cave if you're a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, it's not really for your average Joe, but it is one amazing PC. It's got a, a, a G, uh, what's it, a G-Force mode or gravity mode where uh, it kind of lifts the chair up at a specific angle and the, and the screens obviously rotate with you. Um, so you kind of, it feels like you're kind of floating in a nice, comfortable position. Um, it's very comfortable to play. I, I find the screens a bit too wide, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to focus on, uh, especially if you're, if you're playing a game in a, in a first person shooter. Right. But wow, 250,000. You can, you can uh, I think there's a, there's a slightly more expensive version too if you upgrade the PC, uh, if you so choose. <laughs> But as if, wow, if 250,000 Rand wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, <laughs> if you want the best of the best, Duncan. It does come with RGB as well, which I really liked. Which is oh, fantastic. funny. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole chair glows and glitters while you, while you sit in it. Um, exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. So, um, so do, how, how does this work? I mean, if you're, if you're playing a 3D shooter, does the whole chair shake around as you're playing? Or? No, not quite. There is a, there is a, there is a, a subwoofer, like a bass been under the seat that just uh, that didn't unfortunately work when I was playing with it apparently it, uh, it adds a very nice function to it so when you shoot somebody you have a little bit of bass mm -hmm. but this isn't, this isn't quite a fully articulating chair that kind of if you're playing a driving game that'll push you around you, you kind of it's a static you can um, like a lazy boy do some maneuvers with the chair yeah. but it's very much a static position when you get yourself comfortable into that g-force mode or g-mode and then you you just play hmm. So it it really is it's a showpiece high end gaming machine. Apparently they've had a few orders. It was apparently brought in because a customer wanted to see it and they really wanted to buy it. So yeah, there's obviously um, there are budgets for this in South Africa. Yeah, I could also see this as as a corporate kind of uh, um, experiential thing. I guess uh, corporates buying this to do some cool things with. Yeah. But uh, wow, if you ever do get the chance, Duncan, it's at their offices. Um, Asa's offices, it's well worth checking out. Where is Asa? Where are they based? Uh, Sunning Hill. Sunning Hill. Hill, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I've been actually been looking for a new office chair over the last few months, and I've been looking at the… <laughs> Get the, one of these. It'll be the best thing ever. <laughs> I've, been looking at the Her, I've been looking at the Herman Miller Aeron, and uh, it's a stunning chair, and it's fantastic mm. reviews, but that, you know, that comes in at about ten or 12,000 Rand, and I thought that was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, the more the more I think about it, the more I realize that, uh, uh, I mean, I guess there is a ceiling to this, but an expensive chair is definitely worth mm. it. I mean, we're spending so much time in these things. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it needs to be something good. The gaming chairs that cost about five, six grand, you can yeah. get some really good chairs there. Uh, that's what I was also thinking of having a look at. So that's why I haven't actually gone out and bought the Herman Miller yet. Mm. Um, I, was, I was wondering whether um, buying a gaming chair 
and, and I just don't know if a gaming chair is, is really suitable for office work, whether it's comfortable for sitting for 10 I hours. I know very much. Yeah. It is designed for sitting for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So don't let the gaming nomenclature put you off. I mean, you get ones that don't look like gaming chairs, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, all black or whatever. Some of them, you know, do like racing chairs, do look like racing chairs. But um, within the within the game, actually, you must go look at Eftec. They've got some really, they've got a good selection of them on their website. It's just easy to see everything yeah. in one go. Okay. Um, and they've got some nice uh, offers like chairs, but also quite high end stuff that, um, again, is aimed at people gaming for ten hours yeah. in a stretch. Right. I must uh, I must look into that. I, I do have my my heart set on this Herman Miller though, but um, I'm going to do some <laughs> I'm going to do some further research before making a purchase because it's very very expensive. Um, but yeah, ga- gaming chairs. Uh, I, it's, I'm not an expert on that subject. Uh, maybe uh, maybe someone listening to the show has um, has bought a gaming chair and highly recommends it, or perhaps even uh, another type of office chair, um, maybe a Herman Miller or something else. What can you recommend? Please send uh, send us a WhatsApp oh seven one triple nine double one double one and tell us what you've got and um and why you like it or why you don't like it um i'd be very keen to to hear what uh, what choice you made and why um and if you're using a gaming chair tell, tell us about it as well i'd be very keen to know um why you chose that particular gaming chair and why you'd recommend it or not recommend it on the other hand um, my pick this week isn't terribly exciting, Rechard, but um, <laughs> I, I was quite um, excited when I downloaded the new version of Gmail this week on my Android phone and saw it got a beautiful redesign. And um, I don't know who you know who advised them on it or did the, the work, but clearly they have um, thought in a lot of detail about the aesthetics of what an app should look like and font design and all that sort of thing. And it really is beautiful. I don't know if you've installed it yet. Uh, is, it, is it the normal Gmail app? Or Gmail is it for and- Gmail app? It's Gmail for Android, so it's just the update. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen it. It mm. looks very slick. I mean, it's, it's the font is the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah. That's when I, the font yeah. and the iconography is, is beautiful. Superb, yeah. It's, it, it, it feels like a minimalist, minimalistic design, mm. but there's a lot of information on your screen, yeah. which is great. It's, you know, it's well said. I think that's exactly what they've done. Um, as I say, not the most exciting pick, and it's still just Gmail, but um, at least it's Gmail. It looks a lot better to the eye, more pleasing to the eye. Mm. Uh, so well done, Google, on that uh, redesign. And um, I think that's our show, uh, unless I'm missing anything. Um, no, I think no, that's it. Um, just a quiz results. Let's do the quiz results, and then uh, it's your song pick this week. Uh, first question, the CEO of Celsi, Jose Dos Santos, will step down at the end of February, but will stay on to consult and advise the operator's chairman. Who is the chairman? And the answer is Kuban Pele. Second question, Mobile World Congress takes place this week. In which European city does it take place? And the answer is Barcelona. Or, if you've been there, Barcelona. Barcelona! <laughs> <laughs> As everybody will correct you. <laughs> I mean, not, tr- not try singing on this podcast. We don't want to. We do not want to lose listeners. Uh, Telcom's long-serving chairman is stepping down soon. Who is he? And that, of course, is Jabo Mabuza. Uh, the fourth question: An Israeli spacecraft this week hits the lift on a SpaceX rocket and now on its way to the moon. What is the spacecraft called? And the answer is Bereshit. It's a Hebrew word for "in the beginning." And landing on the moon only in April sometime. I think it's being propelled by gravity there rather than using big rockets. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so SpaceX um, basically got it into orbit and then it's it's using gravity or so, I think probably some thrust. Um, but it's going to have a long journey to the moon. Um, first. I'm loving, I'm mm-hmm. loving all the new, new space stuff we're getting. There's so much it going on. It seems like there's a new love for it. Yeah, know? exactly. And I saw uh, there was a Japanese spacecraft that landed on an asteroid this week, if I, if I, if I was right, trying to catch up in, on, on my science news during everything else that was happening this week. <laughs> there, was, there was something about a Japanese spacecraft. So there is a lot going on, which is really cool. Yeah. And the last question in this week's quiz, which JSE-listed company CEO uh, said employees found to be involved in corruption we dealt with and could even be imprisoned by the authorities, and that is EOH CEO Stephen Van Koller. Rechart, your song pick, what have we got? So, like I said before this show, I thought it was pretty apt. Um, maybe picked it a bit too late. We should have picked it a few episodes ago. But uh, the song is James, uh, Getting Away With It All. Uh, just directed at all these corruption antics happening. People just need to get put into jail now so we can move on with our lives. Yeah, hopefully they won't. It's a good song. It's a really good song. <laughs> yeah, James. I'm trying to, I know. I know this. I know this guy. Um, I've heard some of his music. He was, big, he was big in the '90s, wasn't he, James? Yeah, he's got a few, uh, few 
Bigot, sit down, laid. Um, laid, that's the one I know. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. that was a quite a nice rocky, uh, nice clubby tune. I remember back in the day. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, this is called Full Title is Getting Away With It in Brackets All Messed Up by James. Um, from Rechard and myself, until next week, take care. Cheers. Oh, sorry. Rechard, you're away next week. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back. We can maybe try and record a little bit earlier if uh, early the week works. Okay. So we might have Otherwise. a show. We might have a show uh, uh, coming up uh, next weekend. But if not, we'll be back in two weeks' time. So uh, enjoy the song. Until next time. Cheers. Bye. Ta-ta. Okay, we're unsure.